Totally Football Show. Today, the toughest title struggle since Rod Fanny's autobiography continues, with City now back in pole and Spurs quietly lurking in third. We preview the weekend's action, including preparations for Marco Silva's return to Watford and wonder why are there so few famous songs to play about snakes. There's FA Cup news, Rodney Parade preparing for the Premier League champions and knockout news from abroad too in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Bauer. Hello, listener. All around me are familiar faces, worn-out places, worn-out faces. Uh, back from Rome, rocking a toga is James Horncastle. Hi, James. Hey, James. Uh, Emma Saunders with us from BBC Sport and, of course, Vicarage Road. Hello. Well, you've got a big game this weekend, haven't we you? We do. Lots to talk about. Yeah. And half-man, half-algorithm, Duncan Alexander. <laughs> Greetings. <laughs> nice. Since we last spoke, uh, the top two have both been in action, of course, so mm-hmm. probably should begin with that and that whole title race thing because it's all gone level on top. Via the miracle that is Sky Italia, we're able to watch the non-televised Everton Man City, James. I think I felt quite privileged to be a subscriber, uh, James. I usually use that to watch City A, but... Um, yeah, it was quite a scrappy game, though. What did the Italian commentators make of it? Well, there was only one because they used Paolo Di Cagno as the colour commentator with someone else for the uh, for the Liverpool-West Ham game. Oh, right, OK. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, he felt uh, that City kind of grinded it out, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, far from their kind of it's vintage It's his second best. language, so you'll excuse that. But he, <laughs> he should have said ground. Yes. Yeah. yeah. OK. I mean, uh, ultimately... They had chances where I think they should have been out and out of sight quite early on because um, if you look at the opening goal of Laporte, he, he had an earlier chance, carbon copy of that, um, uh, sort of early on in the first half, didn't take advantage, um, hit the post, perhaps maybe should have left. Uh, what was Michael Cox talking about this on Monday, that kind of goal that City always score where mm. they, they uh, flash it across the... The, the box and it's an open goal and he seemed to take it off Aguero's toes and hit the post um, but yeah it seemed to be uh, you had Fernandinho for example breaking up a lot of what uh, what Everton were doing I thought it was an improved Everton performance even though they ultimately uh, ultimately lost Right and they ultimately conceded once again from mm. a set piece that's the 19th hour of the season Adam James saying zonal marking or man-to-man preferred by the pod how can Silva not be addressing the issue Michael Cox was touching on this as well. Any thoughts, Emma? I think this explains the pattern of the drop-off at every club that he's been to. There's a certain stubbornness, I think, about Marco Silva and a naivety when it comes to to zonal marking. You're so bitter, Emma. I am. Sorry, I'm trying to word this in a way where I'm not bitter, but it's just coming through, I'm afraid. Um, Just to give you some stats at Hull, in his first 11, I think there was a 45% win rate in his last 7, 14. At Watford, first 13, 46% win rate, last 11, 9%. I mean, it could go on. Now at Everton, it's exactly the same drop-off. Right. And it's stubbornness down to this defensive tactic that he seems to be obsessed with and will not give up on. Which defensive tactic is that? Zonal marking. Oh, I see. AKA now zonal larking. I don't even I don't know what these players are doing. <laughs> okay, but so specifically on the set pieces which we yeah. which we posited on Monday it's is the glaringly where... obvious to right. everybody. But James, I mean, they're also quite a small team, I would say. I think the only defender um Michael Keane, they've got is, who's over six foot is is Kurt Zuma. Um, right. Is Keane not sizable? 
Um, keen, shall I, shall I look into that? You look into that. Duncan, have you got any thoughts on why? I still think, generally speaking, like even not, their sort of the... defensive midfield, like Idris Gray, I mean, he's he's five what? nine, I think. So, I would yeah. put. I mean, I, I would I would say that Laporte's header was a was a fantastic. Um, I mean, it wasn't that he was unmarked. He just mm. did get up for, to, to meet the ball. But the, the goal they conceded where Richarlison completely lost his... The man he was marking at the weekend was slightly more worrying. Yeah, I mean, Laporte scoring is not really a surprise. He's scored four goals this season, all of which have been headers from set pieces in away games. So that's a pretty good one to have. Um, Everton, we know they're bad on set pieces. Couldn't even handle Jesus at the end. So um, <laughs> that was a shame. But um, I think <laughs> I think the thing with Everton as well is that they've tried to changed their style of play so often you know you right. think back a year ago they're only two points better off than they were this time last year when they were officially a crisis club the Sam Allardyce era wasn't looked on fondly by Everton fans but they seem to be equally dissatisfied now and you wonder if they do decide to change silver soon or at the end of the season you know if they do this every year mm. how are they going to progress really well that's a good point um, Emma, you won't be aware of this, arriving without an agenda as you have, but Everton's next game is away at Watford, which is going to be really interesting. Wasn't that the club yeah. that he was doing really well at until his head was turned by Everton, exactly so his that. old club fired him, but exactly now they're doing better that. than he is? Well, we'll talk more about that yeah. later on. We've got a question here, though, from Jack Tanner. He says, why is it that Liverpool dropping points, as they did on Monday away at West Ham, is seen as them slipping, bottling, or the pressure getting to them? But Man City losing to Newcastle and Palace and Leicester is just uh, written off as a freak result. Asim Young Thapa replies, saying, well, the City played well in those games and could easily have won them. Liverpool have been poor for a while. Is that a fair... I think that's fair. fair. I yeah. mean, City... That Newcastle game, they dominated and Newcastle scored with both their shots on target, whereas Liverpool looked a bit lost on Monday night. They you know, they struggled to find any rhythm. Uh, the chances they did create were, you know, Salah had a couple in the second half but hit them pretty tamely. And they, I don't think they're cracking up as the current social media campaign seems to suggest. So Mark Noble was suggesting that. They're it, scared, James. Yeah. Scared of West Ham. A team well, that had lost three games in a row and was without Sami Nasri and Marko Arnautovic, which I think, you know. But. Yeah, but I think, um, you know, West Ham are the team that can that can do that. You know, they enjoyed, uh, I think Liverpool played into their hands as well. It was very kind of end-to-end. Um, and, you know, second half, West Ham didn't really threaten, and yet they still sort of did by just hitting it long. And, and Matip made a number of kind of runs forward and then lost the ball in midfield. And it, Liverpool just looked like a team who, who almost know they need to win. Um, and that pressure is kind of, you know, getting to them. I've been reading that it doesn't matter what they do now because they've lost the title. And it's all because they let Nathaniel Klein go in the, in the biggest era since Eric Cantona joined Man United. It's, it's going to be... Daniel Story's going to be writing books about this in, <laughs> in, in years to come. But I mean, just for a bit of perspective, Liverpool, yeah. it's their second best points haul after 25 games in They've their entire history. Game. They've lost one match. <laughs> um, there's so much being said. And obviously, there's been an unfortunate series of injuries and, and people, for example, poor old Joe but, Gomez is, is not going to be back for the rest of the season now. But also, I think this is what makes a really good title race. We've got all the elements now. You know, if you think back to the classic title races, when Newcastle threw it away or when Arsenal threw it away in 2002-03, there was a lot of games in hand. And that's mm. kind of that just adds into the kind of, you know, can they do it and the kind of tension that builds. And I think we're in that situation now. Yes, yeah, City have gone top, but, you know, Liverpool have got a game in hand. It's true. So... We'll see. And also Klopp was saying that uh, in the final training session the night before the game, they lost three players. And in terms of like organising their set pieces, um, that caused problems. And that's where you know West Ham ultimately caused them, caused them issues. Right. Declan Rice should have, should have scored 
And also, I mean, Liverpool, to be fair to them, you, if you want to be uh, a supporter of theirs and, and draw sort of positives from all of this, they do keep getting some breaks in terms of, you know, you think of that Mahrez missed penalty at Anfield, you right. think of the offside goal uh, that Mane scored because Milner, when he received the ball, was 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 clearly um, uh, beyond the last man. Um, so, yeah, in that sense, things are things are still going for Liverpool. You mentioned this potentially being a classic title race. Tommy Cordry says, "Hi guys, please tell me that Spurs aren't involved in it." What do you think, Emma? Aren't Five in the title points. Race. Yeah, I would say they are in the sense that they have to play Manchester City and they have to play Liverpool. But they don't. But have they're hopes. not in the sense that they won't be in the three that are chasing that top spot. So they'll play a part, but they're not actually in the really? title race. I think so. Yeah. I think there's still enough games left that they could do, and you know they've got their away record at this stage is is unbelievable. You know, Eleven wins out of thirteen um, is very good, and mm. it's like they don't need a new stadium. They should just play on the road just, all yeah. the time. Yeah, you know. permanent touring band just yeah. going around the country. <laughs> Roll up Tottenham are here to win. <laughs> um, but I, I tweeted something the other day about Spurs being in the title race, and. I was surprised at the level of panic from Tottenham fans saying, please don't say this. Was, oh. they, they, they almost, they want to sneak up. They want to basically appear out of some fog on, in the 37th game and go, hi guys, we're going to win the league. But, yeah. um, and then lose the 38th game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Covered in well, lasagna. Okay, we'll, 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 talk about, we'll talk about who the title contenders are going to be facing. Well, well, James, the other thing to note, I think, from that game at Goodison Park, which City won, was just uh, the celebrations of the City players on the bench and those on the pitch at the final whistle because I think they really uh, felt that it was a big moment for them. Going top of the table, uh, albeit having played a game more on goal difference, and and just you look you look at 2019 so far they could have fallen what 10 points behind had they lost to Liverpool at the Etihad when they lost to Newcastle. Liverpool had the chance to go seven point clear, and now they find themselves for now at least level on point so um, I think it's I think for the mentality of the, the team it's it was a it was a big night on Merseyside for City You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power So Emma this weekend Spurs host Leicester mm. Liverpool have Bournemouth visiting and Man City are at home to Chelsea mm. Mm. What do you think? I think it's interesting um, that Liverpool are playing Bournemouth and Tottenham are playing Leicester because I think in Leicester and Bournemouth they're the two ultimate sides you just don't know what you're going to get. So in that sense, once more, things could be really shaken up again. I know what you mean about Bournemouth but I'm looking at the recent results between those two sides. Liverpool have beaten them 3-0, 4-0 and 4-0 in the last three meetings. Bournemouth equally just coming off that 2-0 to Cardiff and yet, and yet with Eddie Howe's cherries... Can we ever confidently predict the outcome? Well, people talk about Eddie Howe's philosophy, but his philosophy actually seems to be chaos because there's right. no rhyme nor reason Some to men just want to watch the Premier League burn. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, they've lost their last seven Premier League away games, conceding at least two in oh. each match, which is which points to yeah Liverpool um, romping home. Yeah. But oh. you, we all know if Liverpool don't score in the first 30 minutes, the, Do we the nerves. That? Yeah, the nerves. Okay. All right, what, what about then uh, the other team you mentioned as a, as a big kind of X factor, Leicester? Especially because when they take on teams above them in the table... Yeah, that's it's when they, when they do t- seem to shine, isn't it? Um, I do think with Leicester, though, I can't believe their current run of form still has them 11th in the table. <laughs> it's mad. Um, I, don't, I don't think it'll be long until we see that sort of ominous 
corner flag tweet or you know when they show mm. a bit of the flood lighting or something yeah. and it's a club statement. statement yeah fortunately um if they do lose to tottenham i, I don't think the fans will be too miserable about it and it probably uh-huh. won't be after that it happens but... i love how that's the sacking template <laughs> is that right for all i never noticed that <laughs> so it's a corner flag, a yeah, it's corner flag so... or as emma says a sort of you know a bleak shot of a football ground and yeah why do they do that well they don't want to see that you don't want to see a picture of the chairman smiling. dancing around the room <laughs> yeah. see ya <laughs> And um, everybody else knew about this but me. Uh, mm. Okay. You always yeah. know when that corner flag appears. Yikes. It's not good news. <laughs> so Spurs did win at the King Power earlier this season. Mm. Uh, goals from Sun and Deli Alley. 2 0. Yeah, but Leicester didn't have Vardy, crucially, in that oh. game. I think it was uh, Iannaccio who was up front. And we all know what Vardy's like when he sees top six clubs, mm. he sees goals. Um, so, And then swears. Yeah. <laughs> So, Maybe it is manager. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a fair chance that Spurs may pick up the three points or not. It's It'll be got... late if they do. Well, we know they won't draw. <laughs> that's, they're going to win or lose. That's, yeah. well, that's the thing, though. They've kind of stumbled past people recently, haven't they? And I can see this one being exactly the same. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it'll be convincing for Spurs. Market but I do champions. think they'll win. All right. What about then the huge one, City hosting Chelsea? Who were the first team to beat Man City this season? Maritza Sarri's Chelsea. That's right. Mm. Who's Pep Guardiola lost more league games against than any other? I don't know. Chelsea. Oh, really? Mm. And who's hot off hammering Huddersfield 5-0? The Chelsea. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what's their record like away from home, Duncan? Um, a bit mixed, but they've got a very good record against City overall. Um, they've done the league double over City in the Premier League more than any other team. But um, recently, this City? Um, well, they've... They've beaten Guardiola on numerous occasions. Right, so. yeah, Conte did it famously at the Etihad. Didn't mm. That was when, I think, Diego Costa, the uh, the last good centre-forward they had until Higuain started right. banging in goals against Huddersfield. I mean, obviously last season, they Chelsea sort of gave up, didn't they? Mm. Um, and let City have just hundreds and hundreds of passes. <laughs> um, but the big one around this game is, will Mike Dean finally hand out his 100th red card? Well, yeah. <laughs> For you it is. It, no, it is. <laughs> I mean... I, he's such an innovator. I almost imagine he might come out with a new colour or something because it's it's going to be big. Might be the same colour as your sweatshirt. Yeah, we yeah. We're, we're, we'll post a picture later on, and uh, listeners can can enjoy trying mm. to identify. We've had fuchsia, mm-hmm. magenta, a kind of berry red. Yeah, could be. Or the, the juice from gummy cerise? bears. Cerise, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah, uh, it's a bit like says producer Ben, Arsenal centenary kit. So there's that. Anyway, but back to Man City hosting Chelsea. Mm. Uh, the build-up uh, for which has, I, I guess, been less than ideal for Maurizio Sarri, what with Eden Hazard and doing one of his kind of cryptic sphinx-like pronouncements yeah. about his future. He seems to really enjoy those, Hazard. I mean, just uh, yes, I, I every time he gets a real... It's made like Poirot, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. My first is in rail, but not in bridge. <laughs> uh, so if you say, I've decided what I'm going to do, but don't then reveal it, that means you're leaving, doesn't it? Yeah. He's, he's, surely there's no two ways about it at this point. He is off. OK. Yeah. Um, I think Chelsea will probably be hoping ahead of this one they can keep some kind of momentum from um, the thrashing of Huddersfield. Um but I think everyone knows that doesn't that win doesn't really mask the rest of the problems that Chelsea do still. What are those have. problems, Emma? I think tactically, still not the people still aren't convinced by Sari, uh, and this result for me going forward, it's such a critical point in the season for Chelsea. I think they've got Manchester City this weekend. After that, United in the cup, City again in the League Cup. 
before Tottenham. Wow. Yeah, so it's quite a critical period and you do not want to be going into that off the back of a thrashing from Manchester City. But likewise, if they get result out of it, that could be huge going into that run of games. Absolutely. So I think it's quite a pivotal weekend for Chelsea. I'm not confident about the chances of getting a result at the Etihad given that they lost 4-0 at the Vitality. And previously to that, they lost, what was it, 2-0 at the Emirates. So, yeah. But it it would be very Chelsea to to just turn up and pull out a performance. They're unbeaten. Is that, is that well they're unbeaten in their last seven games against reigning champions oh, which really? is again you know it's all, Chelsea are very much a team that they're like well we're not playing very well but everyone's watching today we might as well. <laughs> they're know. the king slayer. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, but, if Tottenham are the king makers mm. then they're the king slayers. Right. Yeah. But who will be the kings? <laughs> <laughs> I think what we'll see though um, on in this game is, is Kevin De Bruyne will, will start. He came on uh, against uh, against Everton and what set up another substitutes goals, uh, Gabriel uh, Gabriel Jesus, um, and yeah, just made a magnificent impact. And of course, he'll be he'll be fresher for this game. I think in the two nil uh, win that Chelsea had back in was it the start of December, mm. um, Hazard played at false nine um, in that game and set up both their goals. And Guardiola pointed out afterwards that. It's, it was better to have Hazard in that position than out wide because he just simply doesn't defend. Whereas with Pedro and Willian, you had guys who were prepared to track back, do a bit of dirty work. Um, and, um, and so whether, you know, I, I imagine he'll be back out on the, on the left in this game. You know, maybe, uh, maybe City will look to take a bit of advantage of that. Also, Kante had to stick very close to Jorginho in, uh, in, in the reverse fixture um, to just give him a bit more uh, protection. So... Uh, look, I'm really interested to see how Higuain does in this this mm. game. Whether whether he can continue, um, yeah, because he's such a moody player. Um, you know, whether uh, the two, the two goals and getting off to this great start, um, uh, uh, well, better start than his first game. <laughs> Let's see where he, he he did nothing, but he's what now scored 38 in his last 37 league games on the Serie. Admittedly, 36 were in Serie A, but. I mean, it's very much a story of Argentine strikers this game, isn't it? Because um, Aguero's got a, a long-running uh, feud against David Luiz as well. <laughs> He's been sent off twice for fouling Luiz. This is Mike Dean. Mike so Dean. Mike yeah, Dean, Sergio Aguero, David Luiz, <laughs> Nexus. This is where this is going to happen. On Mike Dean, apparently he shows a red card on average. I think it is every four matches. How he long lasts- since he? Three matches ago. His first Burnley season, against Huddersfield. His first season when, by the way, the US president was Bill Clinton, so it's quite a long time ago. He only showed one red in 18 games. He was very much a kind of, you know, finding his way in the game. But right. he's never done double figures in a season, but he's already on nine this year. So, Can any Mark's got a suggestion for Mike Dean, who confusingly he calls Mike Reed. Mm. Emma, what's that about? The rest of it, though, makes a lot of sense. Um, Canary Mark has suggested that when Mike Dean does uh, take his 100th red card out of his pocket he should celebrate by taking off his shirt with 100 written on a vest underneath so that he can then book himself wow which really would be and then sarcastically applaud himself and and then walk off the pitch and then walk off the pitch wow that would be amazing that would be a mic drop has a uh, (laughs) (laughs) has uh, has a referee ever booked another official there was, that, a referee book well, there was that time Gaza picked up the referee's yeah, yellow yeah. card and booked him and then the ref booked him back. Yeah. Mm. Magnificent. <laughs> Magnificent. OK, well, it's going to be a huge weekend then. That much is clear in the title race. Also, the battle for top four places, which Chelsea are caught up in. We'll look at the other contenders there after this. 
Listeners, as you know, the Totally Football Show is the proud sponsor of Melchester Rovers, the team of Roy Race, a.k.a. Roy of the Rovers. Roy's been rebooted for a new generation of readers and he's now a 16-year-old superstar in waiting who's broken through into League Two Melchester's first team. Our hero Roy's got it all, the skill, the talent and the eyes of the sporting world upon him. Except, of course, there's more to life than football. His dad's in a wheelchair and needs looking after, his mum's working all hours and what about his sister? Well, his sister wants to play football too and she won't leave Roy alone until he helps her do something about it. Foul play and teamwork are the perfect gift for football mad kids or grown-ups who remember the good old days. Pick up your copy everywhere you buy books, including Amazon, Waterstones and Sainsbury's and find out more at RoyTheRoversOfficial.com. Hey, listen, this could be the weekend Man United go fourth. How many points were they back when Moo was sacked? Eleven. Whew. And you know what? Since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer became manager, if the Premier League had started on that day, which it doesn't, they would be four points clear at the top. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. That's their record in that time. Anyway, if Chelsea uh, lose at City, which is entirely possible, and Man United, Man United get the win into the top four, they go there at Fulham. Fulham, who... Did recently get a nice 4-2 win against Brighton, but then lost 2-0 at Palace and are still conceding more than two goals a game. They've it's... got the worst defence at this stage of the season since Fulham themselves oh. in 2013-14. <laughs> right. And the, the last team to ha- concede this many goals and stay up right. um, were uh, Southampton and Wolves in 1968. So well, That's wow. a while ago. Yeah, And they've got the worst defence in any of the uh, top five European leagues, is that right? Yeah, and, and probably the world's. Uh, leagues as well. Like I mean, ever. Yeah. <laughs> 55 goals after 25 games. I mean, that's quite quite something. I mean, United in this game back in December just bullied their their right-hand side. Rashford had a I mean, it was it was a joy for him to be out there because I think he combined for their first uh, first couple of goals, scored scored a beauty uh, towards the end of it. And uh, yeah, I don't see it being any different. Um, they didn't but, even have to face Pogba in that game because it was in his being benched by Moo period. So, yeah, it's not looking okay. good for them. The right side for Fulham as well has been a problem all season. And Cyrus Christie is now injured too. Uh, Fossu Mensis. Has he got a virus? Is he Cyrus the virus? It's a Con Air <laughs> reference. Mm. Sorry. Um, Fossu Mensis is not allowed to play. Not that Ranieri would play him anyway. So I imagine Dennis Adoy might be pulled in. Okay. They are boosted. Uh-huh. Hopefully by the return of Andre Schurler until his quotes in Kicker magazine this week. I don't know if anyone's seen this. <clears throat> Didn't see this, Emma. What did you say? I don't know how popular Andre Schurler is anyway with Fulham fans. But yes, he has spoken to the German publication this week and he has said that he's confident whatever happens with Fulham, he can go straight back to Borussia Dortmund. Um, it's not my standard to play against relegation in England, especially considering my qualities and the general success that I've had in my career. Uh, I know I'm important for the team. I would take the decision to join Fulham again because it is doing me good. I'm playing regular football. I am important. And I get a lot of appreciation from the fans. Well, that's, uh, so if he, he's, if he can get his head out of his bottom and make it onto the pitch... Emma, I, we'll have, we'll I can see <laughs> Sure is- uh, yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying. World Cup winning Schuller. Yeah. Down the bottom with Fulham. I mean, yeah, this is a guy who, did he not set up the the winning goal for Germany in that final back in 2014? As a Fulham fan, when you're in the thick of a relegation yeah, fight, you, you do want not want to hear stuff like that right, from the guy that allegedly can, can get you out of trouble. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, is it looking like a, a difficult weekend then for them at the cottage, uh, Man United arriving? It could be a really bad weekend for Chelsea, who are currently fourth, but could see if they don't get anything at the Etihad, Man United still pass them, and potentially Arsenal too. Potentially, or, although, against Huddersfield. Well, no, although <laughs> Arsenal would need to have a goal swing of seven goals, but as you say, it is against the Terriers, so yeah. mm. what about it? But mind you, that when they played the, the, the Terriers in December, they, they took them 82 minutes to break mm. them down. Wow. And that was a Lucas Torreira point-blank scissor kick. Something's so. going to change in this game because Huddersfield, as we all know, um, can't score. Mm-hmm. They've only got five home goals this season, the same number as Roberto Pereira, which isn't, <laughs> which isn't great. Um, but Arsenal, the only team in the Premier League this season who haven't kept a clean sheet away from home. Wow. So, And they've had another injury now. Mustafi's joined the uh, lengthy injury list. Yeah. So if Huddersfield are going to ever score at home again, this could be the, could be the week. But you'd imagine Arsenal would, will run right at the other end. Right. I do pity Huddersfield, though, the timing. Having gone to Chelsea last week, it's almost the same this week. They've got a sort of curtsy for Arsenal and it's a chance for Arsenal to rip them apart and get back to winning ways. Yeah. I think Arsenal are going to lose. Really? Do you? Yeah. Bold. Just, on, on, I'm just on feeling it. Just, just well, that. like when you just said that Mustafi, even Mustafi out, I'm yeah. just like... Phew. I think a lot of Arsenal fans wouldn't necessarily... I know, I know that, but like, who else is there at centre-back? I mean, they're going to have to yeah, improvise. You know, I mean, what? Jenko. <laughs> I mean, the fact that Jenko is still there. Yeah, he came on. I went to the Arsenal game against Cardiff last week and All he right. came on and I was sort of rubbing my eyes in disbelief at that alone. Um, but Arsenal kind of stumbled past Cardiff. Uh, they were so lucky that Cardiff just can't finish. I think they had something like 19 shots. Whereas <laughs> Huddersfield. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, perhaps that isn't such a crazy suggestion. Well, we'll see, James, because I think you've been bold but accurate on some of your other predictions recently, although I can't remember what they were. Well, I'll just c- c- maintain that allure. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. mystique. So, yeah, Arsenal fans. Hudders- uh, Huddersfield-Arsenal is Saturday at 3 o'clock. Huddersfield, of course, currently level with Derby on 11 points as the worst team of all time. And it was just 1-0 last time. Well, last two times they met, actually. All right, then. Uh, let's talk about FA Cup replays. Because Man City are heading to Rodney Parade. That's ever so exciting, isn't it? Who said the magic of the cup is dead, eh? No one here, there am There we I? go. No. Oh, it's being said everywhere. I think, I think a lot of people are arguing the bigger sides aren't playing their full-strength teams, which is taking away from the magic of the cup. But I would argue it's feeding into it because it's allowing these um, lower league sides to have the opportunity to beat them. You know, we've seen Millwall come through, we've seen AFC Wimbledon, now Newport County, and it is because these Premier League managers are choosing to play substandard teams. Well, if you look at the number of inverted commas shocks every decade in the FA Cup, it's, it remains roughly the same. It's, but like you say, the, the reason it happens can be different. In the 70s, it could be because of a terrible pitch, which City might find at Rodney Parade, which is known as the worst pitch in League Two, usually. Um, but yeah, like nowadays, it often is because Premier League teams are playing weakened sides. Man City, of course, who are very strong on putting out strong teams and maintaining, generating that, that kind of hope-crushing momentum. That, the Burton momentum, the kind of yeah. just, you know... We will crush you. Yes. Uh, Newport, who are down in League Two, of course, beat Leeds and then gave Spurs a scare last year. This year they've put out Leicester and now Middlesbrough as well. Fantastic goals. Robbie Wilmot, supermarket shelf stacking Robbie Wilmot. And then how about, uh, is it Porak Amond? I think, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, I'll back you on that. Okay, mm. and it's a, it's a corner and he just uh, side foots it in first mm. time. Oh. To win the Transporter Derby. To win the Transporter Derby. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they have gone through now. They'll be taking on City in the fifth round. They're unbeaten in their past five home FA Cup games against higher division opposition, which is great. Also, this midweek in Cup replay news, Brentford beat Barnet 3-1. They will be at Swansea in the fifth round. Brighton did West Brom 3-1. They get to host Derby. Wolves beat Shrews 3-2 on Tues to set up a fifth round tie at Bristol City whose ticker date Ben and I were inundated by, actually, on um, on Wednesday night. What, the Tears for Fears gig? Yeah, because Roland Orzabel, uh-huh. I think I pronounced that right, who's the front man of legendary synth-pop outfit Tears for Fears, mm-hmm. who are back and touring, and are pretty, <laughs> pretty note-perfect amazing, I have to say. Um, they, they blew ticker tape at the end. That's a little surprise at the end. The, what song do they do as an en- encore, Emma? Oh, this shows my age. I have heard, but just a, not. Okay. Yeah, they're not top of my iTunes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, listen, they're not top of mine either. But <laughs> great pop band from back in the day. Yeah, it was shout, mm. and in the middle of shout, boom, they just let it all out. They did actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they did. Anyway, Wolves will be uh, visiting them next time around. Yeah, I think it's quite a big week for Brighton and Wolves because they both got through. Um, they've got. You know, relatively good ties in the fifth round. Wolves away to Bristol City, Brighton at home to Derby. So, um, you know, this could be a chance. There's not many big teams left and and Chelsea are playing United. So um, this could be a chance for one of those to reach the final. Wow, yeah. Or what about Watford, who are going to be playing QPR after QPR beat Pompey 2-0? It's a repeat of the Dry World Cup. I'm sorry? Um, Watford and QPR had this... Oh, there's no two ways about it. It was awful, this kit, about three years ago. I know it only lasted a season, mainly because it fell to bits. Um, but we had a pre-season friendly with QPR and because we both had Dry World kits, it was the Dry World Cup. Okay, Dry World Cup. Was that a kit manufacturer called Dry World? Yeah, yeah there's a reason that. that you've probably not heard of it. I'm not really sure they're still <laughs> making kits. Dry World. Okay, mm. so uh, anyway, uh, it won't be... Uh, oh, no, it will be QPR who's taking on Watford. Mm. Right. Oh, that's so... so so excited. Yeah, so what do you think about Duncan's notion that it could be your time to shine? Yeah, it could well be. I don't see why not. Um, I don't think you'll be seeing 11 changes against QPR, probably nearer five or six. But Watford, is a, as a mid-table side, um, in the upper echelons of being mid-table, survival all but guaranteed in the Premier League, they've got to go for it. Why not? It was only two or three years ago, Kike took us to Wembley. Oh, yeah. Do you miss him, Emma? yeah. He was lovely, wasn't he? Of of the eight that have been there in my time, he's certainly up there. Is he? Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, sorry, right, yeah, Kiki Sanchez for us. Lovely. All right, so yeah, go for it. That's very much the message. Brilliant. Fifth round is coming up, not this weekend, the one after. Look forward to that, James. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been cup action abroad, though. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if you were across the Pokal last 16, Germany's uh, finest going at it, and there was an extraordinary match between the runaway Bundesliga leaders, Borussia Dortmund, on Tuesday night, I think this was, and Werder Bremen. It was 1-1 after 90 minutes. It went to extra time. The final score was 3-3, and they had to go to penalties. Marco Royce went out injured. Uh, Chelsea-bound Christian Pulisic scored a brilliant solo goal, but was immediately answered by former Chelsea man Claudio Pizarro. Did you see this? Wow, mm. Pizarro. Yeah. Still going. He's still going. And it's a good goal as well. A kind of scrappy ball comes in from the right and he juggles it with one foot and then side and then kind of volleys it in with the other. It's Love nicely that. done. Love that. Uh, oh, also cup action in Spain where 
we're at the semi-finals now, the Copa del Rey, aren't we, Duncan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened? Uh, Real Madrid took the lead at the new Camp after six minutes, but um, Barcelona didn't start Messi. He was on the bench. Um, it came on with about half an hour to go. Malcolm equalised. Um, Messi didn't score. It's the first time he hasn't scored in a game since early December. Really? Yeah. December the 11th against Tottenham was the last time he didn't score before before that match. So that's a quite good run, but then it is Messi. So. That's pretty amazing. Real Madrid have another big game coming up this weekend. It's the Madrid derby, which is actually second v third. Atletico just behind. Well, I say just behind, a significant distance behind Barcelona. Uh, it's not the biggest derby in the world of football, though, this weekend. Is that the dry world derby? No. That, <laughs> no? That'll be the following weekend. OK. Uh, it's the old farm game. Ah. Uh, Norwich v Ipswich, which is also this time around particularly... Intriguing because it's top v bottom in the championship. There's 39 mm. points fully between league leading Norwich and team at other end Ipswich. Emma, you've seen a bit of Ipswich this season. Weir- yeah, weirdly enough, I've seen Aston Villa against Ipswich both at Portman Road and at Villa Park. Okay, oh, for and five live is that? Yes. Right. Yeah. Final score five live. Neither were that exciting. In fact, at Villa Park, it took someone to remind me that I'd been to Portman Road in August okay. to see the reverse fixture. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, if you're an Ipswich fan, I imagine you are dreading this weekend. Although derbies, you know, form book out the window and that. Mm. If they were to get something from the game, of course, that could put Leeds back on top. We'll see. Anyway, more on all of this kind of thing in the uh, Totally Football League show, which is out right now with Matt Davis-Adams. Duncan, you were at the Opta Pro Forum, it says here, on yeah. Wednesday. What was the Opta Pro Forum? So it's a gathering for... Uh, analysts, people from clubs, um, you know, people that study football and go into uh, a lot of depth, more depth than than my mind can can really cope with. Is it a social thing? No, it's a it's a kind of um, conference. So oh, people right. come and do presentations, and there's some. It's what kind of presentations do they have? There? So there were. I think my favourite one this year was a guy from Barcelona who came and talked about how it's not just uh, when you receive the ball. He showed a clip of Guardiola basically showing Raheem Sterling, telling him how his body shape is going to give him more options when he passes the ball. Um, So rather than just telling players that they've developed a system that automatically tracks a footage and can work out a player's body position so they can basically tell players... posture. Yeah, essentially, and how open they are. And, you know, if you you opened your body a bit more, you'd have, like, two more... So he's developed the system. Yeah, and it was very... You know, very advanced. Okay. In, in depth. Are there any new? Um, obviously, recent years have seen the revolutionary introduction of XG. Are there any further and analytical breakthroughs that you can? There's a lot of stuff around uh, space um, sequences. So how you know how do you tell? Um, there was a good thing about something called shape damage. Shape damage. Shape damage. It sounds quite cool. Yeah. yeah. But um, sounds like a new genre of music. Yeah. <laughs> like math. Rock. Listen to some shape damage. <laughs> but it was I'm still with the tears for fears. <laughs> it was essentially looking at how an attacking team can pull a defensive team out of position. Right. So the the more you can do that, obviously the the better chances you'll get in the, the game. The more your X shape damage. Exactly. So you can basically, you know, it, it's kind of quantifying stuff and making it kind of um, repeatable, which is the, the dream of Are football Are we clubs. only at the tip of the iceberg in terms of statistical or analytical understanding of the game of football? Or do you think that by now we're kind of pretty much just inventing new ways to say old stuff? I think we are only at the tip, but I think the what it takes a while for stuff to become kind of accepted as uh-huh. we and, it, and you have to kind of put it into, into real world kind of situations and, and you know win fans over but I think you know each season people's understanding uh, gets a bit deeper right 
I know mine does. So, back to the Premier League we go after this. He lines up to hit it, and yes! It's deflected for a corner! That's over 12 corners! Yes! <coughs> no time to take it, though. It's finished nil-nil. What a result! Sorry, our fault. You see, with same-game multi-bets from Paddy Power, you can combine multiple selections from one match into one bet, and you'll get money back as a free bet if one leg of your four-fold same-game multi-bet lets you down. Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. Applies to pre-match four-fold same-game multi-bets on UK and top European leagues. Max free bet £10 per customer per day, minimum odds. Exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgumbleaway.org. On Spotify, smart speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Back to the Premier League, everyone. Hey, we've come on to the W's now. Wolves, who are on a hot scoring streak, they'll be hosting Newcastle, where Almiron apparently now has got his paperwork sorted, so Magpie fans can get a look, hopefully, if Rafa picks him, at uh, what the former Atlanta star can bring. Do you know, by the way, who's replaced him, or who Atlanta have picked up as his, as his replacement? Pogba. Ah, Florentin. Florentin Pogba. Yep. Excellent. Anyway, that's Wolves. They're hosting Newcastle. Meanwhile, the other W, Emma, is Watford. And they face Everton. They do. The Marco Silva derby. In the oh, snake. The return of the snake. <laughs> so, I was going to ask, have you been looking forward to this one? But, oh boy, you guys have. I've seen talk that uh, fans are petitioning the club to play special anti-silver music on the PA before the game just to really get into Everton's heads. Yes. What kind of songs are we talking about? I've had a number of uh, requests on Twitter this week. Um, Firstly, Do you do the music then? No. We kind of have a say in it though. So um, I do the announcing um, with a chap called Tim. We do it together and it's his laptop that has the playlist on. So I think the fans have sussed out we are the people to talk to. What kind of suggestions? They want snake music. What? Oh. Union of the Snake by Duran Duran. So right. uh, there we go. Any suggestions for well, what, what, what's snake been sent songs? in already? Let's have some. No, they're, they're just asking us to ensure that there are there's some snake music on there. Um, but also, when we usually have uh, a former Watford manager return uh-huh. to Vicarage Road, yeah. there are so many. Of course, um, Sean well, Dyche came a couple of weeks ago with Mattia Vidra, and we both we both gave we gave them both. We've well, got Richarlison a, as well. Well, this is it. We gave them both a warm welcome back. Right now, Richarlison, some fans will boo him. Why? But by and large, people have just kind of said, "Fair, fair enough, Brilliant. mate." You, you know, forty million. We got forty million for yeah. you off off you off you pop. Um, so the big question is, do we welcome back Marco Silva? Well, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the PA system. Spandau Ballet song oh, called Snakes and Lovers. Ooh. Snakes and Lovers. You remember that, James? But this white snake, would that count? I don't yeah. know if, if Marco James, can Silva... I see a whole snake playlist on your laptop? Yeah, there's the snake by the Isley Brothers. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's a, it's a popular... <laughs> can you um, kill a full hour before kickoff? There is... Um, the Snake by the Human League as Don't well. Don't recall that one. No. Uh, I mean, these are obviously deep album tracks. Right. Union of the Snake by Duran yeah. Duran. It's on the right. Tube Snake Boogie by ZZ Top. Really? That's good because Watford's got a tube station even though they're not in London so you could kind of combo that up. Talking Snake by Iggy Pop which I don't want to Have the think about what that might how, be. You know when you said snake songs I thought well there'll be a huge amount of uh, of options there but really not. No. You're just going to have basically Duran Duran on repeat. Um, on a serious note there was another fans forum last night and Scott Duxbury and Troy Deeney both turned around and said can we not put too much attention on him, they didn't even name him. They said on him, meaning Marco Silva, right? And um, because they're worried it will only drive him on further oh. to do the damage on Saturday. Snake by R. Kelly. 
Inject the venom by ACDC. <laughs> Damn story. <laughs> Calming the snake Emma, by have Sonic the club Youth. Taken any precautions in case someone brings an actual, actual live snake, snake to the game? <laughs> Can we saw a cat on the pitch last week? A That's snake true. would be escalation of, of worrying levels. Imagine bringing like Jake the Snake, the, the former wrestler, to like you know sort of just I don't know. It's sad. Come it's come through the tunnel and take down. It's going to overshadow Javi Garcia's 40th Premier League game. His manager, which for what? For that's the equivalent of Guy Roux at Auxerre. He's, he's the longest serving manager of the Premier League era as of last weekend when he made it 39 games against Brighton. And uh, that's nice. As you mentioned, Richarlison also coming back. Mm. Uh, he scored the opening goal last time you guys met. That was mm. at Goodison. It was 2-2, but Everton's form, as we've mentioned at length, has fallen off. Uh, whereas Watford... What a season, Emma. You've never seen anything like it. No, quite literally. I've not seen anything like it. Uh, it looks as if we are going to finish at a record high. Um, Until this weekend. Well, my take on this weekend is Everton are under so much more pressure than Watford are. It was his decision to leave and the whole point was... Um, that he was to replace Allardyce and that Everton were to push for the top six. The fact is there's not been an improvement in terms of their table position since Allardyce left and Marco Silva has come in. This would be a huge result for Everton in terms of chasing that sort of sixth or seventh position in the table. So really, all the pressure is on Everton because Watford are just enjoying their time in eighth. um, And really... Also, you guys are still in the cup, which like, you know, a lot of people can say, well, what's so great about finishing seventh or eighth exactly. you guys are at least still in the cup have a chance of winning something whereas Everton don't which I think is again one of the reasons why Everton fans are so dissatisfied with uh, with everything mm. so yeah huge game when's that taking place Emma? three o'clock on Saturday which I was quite surprised at I thought it would have been moved um, to be a TV fixture yeah purely for all the interest right around Snake Gate. that'll be on Sky Italia won't it? Uh, well, it depends because three o'clock there's Liverpool, Bournemouth, Huddersfield Town versus Arsenal. So I would imagine they'd probably go for those, or maybe Palace, West Ham, because of oh, be- that's just a huge because game. Paolo Di Canio. Yeah, but also a big game down at the bottom. Why National Geographic? Because of all the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk. Uh, let's talk about Palace, West Ham, mm. and the battle at the bottom. Who won this last time? The Hammers 3-2 with an amazing winner from Felipe Anderson. Looking forward to some great goals this time with the likes of Benteke and Andy Carroll, potentially. Well, we've got Batshui now. Mm. And Batshui. He's had two shots on target in eight minutes of play for Palace. There's only one fewer than Jordan Ayew's had in 1,093 minutes this season. (laughs) So he seems like an upgrade and he very possibly is. Jordan Ayew, three shots on target in 1,093 minutes. Okay. Uh, Palace look good. I mean, they're both coming off decent results. Palace mm. excellent against Bournemouth and West Ham much improved at home to Liverpool. What do you think? Again, West Ham kind of fall in the bracket. Interestingly, they're right next to each other in the table as Leicester and Bournemouth. You just don't know what you're going to get. They're so wildly inconsistent. A lot of that, I think, well, Pellegrini said himself, is down to fixer congestion and the amount of injuries that they've had. Um so yeah, I think it's could, a really, really difficult one to call because Crystal Palace still haven't really sorted out at home either, have they? Um, could go anyway. But I mean, West Ham are going for four London derby wins in a row for the first time in a long time. Oh, that's interesting. Since the, what, what about the other the other two games down the bottom? The Saints v Cardiff. Uh, for all their much improved form after Ralph Hasenhutl took over, 
they're, they're really struggling to clear their, uh, the, the, the relegation zone. Mm. Saints. In fact, if they lose this, they could easily find themselves back in the bottom three. Yeah. Um, Saints are unbeaten in five, though. Um, I mean, they lost this game. I think it was, was it one of Hassan Huddle's first? And yeah, they were, they seem to be quite un- unlucky um, there. But um, Nathan Redmond's had his form revived mm. under the, uh, the Hassan Huttel. You can see that Hassan Huttel is, you know, playing a lot of youngsters as well. They've, Southampton now got the youngest average team in the Premier League this season. The only right? team under the age of 26 on average. And I think. I love they, how you said they're the youngest average team. It's like you know, they're, yeah, they're not the not youngest. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it kind of shows how, as James said, they're unbeaten in five, yet they're still very much in it. So they were in a very bad position. Yeah. I think they'll be all right. Okay. Uh, a lot of people worrying about if, if a team's going to drop into that battle, Emma, mm. that it might be Brighton. Oh, they yeah. are at home to Burnley. Right. And one of the reasons people worry for the Seagulls is their last two games of the season, which are away to Arsenal and then at home to Man City. Yeah, mm. but the thing is, Brighton's home games between now and the end of the season, aside from that City one, mm. are all winnable games against okay. teams that will either have nothing to play for by that time or teams that are in the relegation battle, like Burnley. Mm. Um, and they've only ever lost one home game to a non-Big Six team in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, where I'd worry about this game, perhaps, is that you mentioned their FA Cup replay in midweek, so they've, they've had to play that, whereas Burnley didn't, and it went to extra time. You know, I mean, that's going to that's gonna put a strain uh, on them. So, yeah, I think that's something for Burnley to uh, take some advantage of. A Burnley team that's unbeaten in five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. On a more positive note, Emma. Yes, there's some nice news um, that's come out of Brighton ahead of this one. Um, you might remember recently there's been a number of fans that have been banned from Brighton um, for different reasons, mainly around antisocial behaviour. And Brighton are donating the tickets that have been reclaimed from the fans who have got these bans uh, and they're giving them to a local um, charity uh, it does work for children with disability. Oh, that's nice. So uh, there's going to be some young children that get to see some Premier League football for free, um, thanks to these yobs that have lost their tickets. I mean, of all the games to go to Brighton Burnley, uh, yeah, Brighton, like Brighton more, might not have Premier see, League football for much longer. They're going to so. get to see Ashley Barnes in his pump. <laughs> only only Aubameyang has a higher xG since the turn of the year than Ashley Barnes, the Austrian hitman. So that's something for them. I think to there's only been one goal scored in this fixture for like three games. I mean, but you know, I mean, it's all about goals. As change. you say, James, it's not about that. So, uh, yeah, you try and say something nice, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's the that's the Premier League weekend. Uh, we got some fascinating tweets coming up after this, as well as some other bits too. So stay with us, listeners. Tweets, everybody. Uh, Ed Quoth Raven on the subject of managers says, my local non-league side have just appointed joint managers. Which out-of-work managers from the professional game would make good joint managers and would it be like a buddy comedy? What, sort of like Moo and Arson or something like that? Would, would... That'd be good because that would have the tension. that They've obviously got a history together, but then when they work together it might you know, evolve into something. something yeah, together nice. it was Moida. I'd, yeah, I'd quite like Les Reed and, and Mark Wright to join forces because then they'd be called Reed and Wright <laughs> and then they could do a lot of complicated permutations and that could be their arithmetic. So. <laughs> um, on, on the subject of non-league sides with multiple managers, oh, yeah. um, there is a French sixth tier side I was reading about this week. I might be saying this wrong. Uh, A.G. Conner. Yeah. 
Um, and their team lineups, in game tactics, and substitutes are determined by 2,000 oh, virtual this is the managers. Football manager thing. Yeah, but this was so done, it's like football manager in real life. This was life. done in this country in by Ebbs Ebbs Fleet, Fleet, yeah. wasn't it? Right. And how long? How did that work it out? Ended in chaos. Well, this side, yeah, top this of the table. The, They're top of the table. Right. And how long and have they been doing it for? They've been working with the club since 2017, apparently. Wow. Uh, and they do have a real-life pitch side manager, uh, Julien Le Pen. But apparently... It, wow, Le Pen. He, he wears... <laughs> it's mightier than the sword, of course. Yeah. He, he was right winger. Former right winger, yeah. yeah. Apparently he wears a headset and then the decisions from the fans on the app are kind of communicated to him. Right, and he can go, and oh, then, oh, I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, are you breaking up? up? <laughs> what, what's French for the game has gone? <laughs> That's extraordinary. Um, so they're top of the of the French sixth division. Yeah, league. you might remember Arsene Wenger saying not too long ago, one day social media will decide subs. But there we are. It's wow. happening. It's happening already. Wow. He saw the future. So they will be getting promotion as it stands That's to the stands, yeah. fifth tier. Yeah, and uh, and so on and so forth. That's fantastic. Speaking of France, that's next door to Italy, James. Where? Uh, there's also hey, there's action tonight, isn't there? Lazio taking on Empoli on a Thursday night. Why is that? Why is that, James? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I mean, they played in the Cup this time last week. Yeah. I imagine there's some kind of synchronisation going on there. Maybe, yeah. Anyway, so they're playing tonight, and it's a big game because you've got, Duncan, you've got four teams within one point of each other in the race for the top four. Lazio, one of them. Roma, Atalanta and Milan, who have that one-point advantage, are the others. And some interesting games coming up at the weekend... I think probably the well, the Fiorentina Napoli looks an interesting one for lovers of fine football. Mm-hmm. And Federico Chiesa and that, well, particularly with Hamsik, uh, still very much uh, <laughs> yeah. in the Napoli squad. It turns out the Chinese didn't have any money or something. That's very awkward. Yeah, um, yeah. After clapping uh, his fans to say goodbye, I think I think he actually had a goodbye party as Did well. He? <laughs> and oh, then it was John Terry special. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, then was told, sorry. You're not going anywhere. Can we pay this in 35 instalments, maybe via PayPal? Right. Um, anyway, so, went up for it. <laughs> but the game that I'm most intrigued by, I think, takes place after that one, mm-hmm. Saturday evening, as Palmer take on Inter. Yeah, Palmer who beat Inter in this reverse fixture at San Siro. One of their lone players or former Inter youngsters uh, Di Marco scoring a uh, great goal in that one. And, uh, yeah, a lot of pressure on uh, Luciano Spalletti because while they've got a bit of a cushion on uh, on fourth place, the number of teams that are piling up... Right, it's only four points. ...behind them. Yeah, yeah still, you know, you'd rather be in that position than not. Well. Uh, but I think um, with, with the likes of Roma, Milan, Atalanta, Lazio all queuing up basically for fourth, but they could actually then find themselves, oh, third um, in a few weeks' time. I mean, that really would pile on the... Uh, the way the Inter's form has been going, you could see them dropping out of the top four altogether. Mm. Mm. But anyway, that uh, that's part of the excitement coming up this weekend in City. Hey, if you want to hear more about that kind of thing, Emma, Galazzo this week has you covered in which we'll not only talk about the City state of play, but also the extraordinary background of one of the most infamous figures in European football, Luciano Moggi. Mm. He's probably listening to you now, James. Of the many SIM cards... Of the mini SIM cards and the plastic penis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. That's one weekend in Carphone Warehouse, I never forget. <laughs> <laughs> Free with every 20 SIM cards. <laughs> so, uh, ooh, this just in from Sweden. Uh-huh. Last week, David Priest was here announcing that he's off to Ostersunds to be their new goalkeeper coach. Oh, is he? 
did you not? You didn't catch that episode. No, yeah. I mean he's, he's he's off. Fantastic. Good luck to David. That sounds well, great. That's very generous of you. Yeah. Uh, and what should happen next? But lo and behold, Ravel Morrison is apparently joining him after being at Lazio, and mm. then where next? He then went to Mexico, James. Right. He's now going to be in in Sweden. What do you think? I mean, I love itinerant footballers who go and play all over the world. You know, I think Colin Kazim Richards has a great book in him. You know, I mean, mm. the guy who's played, what, Brazil, Turkey. You know, I mean, so if Ravel is, is, is following uh, that kind of career path, mm. go for it. I think it's great. be nice to see David that talent realised. Well. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe David is the influence he needs to, to bring that wayward We've talent. We've seen player managers, author, goalkeeper, coach as a combo. Football's yet to see, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, anyway, so there's that. Uh, but let's now hear from producer Ben, who's been speaking to Paddy Power to get some odds on what's going to go on this weekend. Thank you, Jimbo. Hello, listeners. Don't know about you, but I've been waiting all show long to speak to Lee Price from Paddy Power, and here he is on the line. Lee, let's start with City versus Chelsea, the big one. Give us some numbers on this one, please. Yeah, a huge title hurdle for Man City. Or so you'd think. Having rested some of their better players in midweek, we make them a comfortable 4-9 to nine to win this one. Chelsea are obviously blowing hot and cold at the minute. They're a sizable 5-1 to one to get the three points with the draw 10-3. to three. Sergio Aguero, by the way, is odds-on to score during this match, 8-11. to 11. All right, Liam, as we've been saying, Mike Dean is the manager in this match. What are the odds on him giving his 100th red card? Well, a true servant to football, a Premier League icon. Maybe Gareth Southgate should give him a run-out against Kosovo late this year for England in tribute. He's definitely the man for the big occasion, and we offer a price of 7-2 to two that Mike Dean's landmark dismissal comes in City versus Chelsea, and that really would make it a super Sunday. For me, anyway. We've, of course, got Emma Saunders in the studio today, so give us some numbers, please, on Watford beating Everton by two goals. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier for him. We think Marco Silva past will beat Marco Silva present in this one. Watford just 5-4 to four to win the three points here, and just 10-3 to three to win by at least two goals. If that does happen, Silver would at least climb up one table. Yeah, you guessed it. It's the sack race table. And finally, Lee, any chances on Huddersfield getting a point against Arsenal? <laughs> God, I know Arsenal have been bad, but not been that bad, surely. Huddersfield, though, to be fair, are better odds than they have been recently. They're 9-2 to winning against Arsenal. It's 3-1 to one they get a draw, or 13-10 to 10 that they avoid defeat. The Gunners, it should be said, are 4-7 to seven favourites for the three points. You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Now, this weekend, Emma, you're going to be I'm announcing... One game, one game only. Yeah. Oh, really? You don't do any BBC stuff? Not this weekend, no. When Watford are home, just do the announcing there. Right. When they're away is when I'm bbc I understand. And James, have you got any exciting trips planned? Because you just come back from Rome where you were talking to uh, Clive at Junior, weren't you? Yeah. Who's a Justin lovely, lovely nice, boy? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Waited after training. Wonderful, wonderful day. Sun going down. Mm. Uh, he's got a little Fiat which he bombs around in. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I had to rush to the airport afterwards. Right. And uh, I came out of the training ground as he did. His car was stopped by autograph hunters. Yours not Mine so wasn't. much. Yeah. That's that's wrong, isn't it? Yeah. But. Um, his season hasn't been entirely the way he'd have hoped so far. Is that fair? I mean, Rome is. In I mean, general, he started but... really well in that mm-hmm. he um, he came off the bench in the first game against Torino, set up that Van Basten-like Jeko goal. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, he said he said you know it's taken him a while to adapt. Um, Di Francesco wants different things from wingers than 
than his manager at Ajax. Uh, it's obviously a new new country. People forget that he's only 19. You know that the the fact that you know when he, um, Mourinho took him to one side at that Europa League final a couple of years ago, um, he seems to have been very much uh, quite high profile since then. But he's, yeah. he's still still a kid learning stuff. So yeah, I, I mean I enjoyed his company. Excellent. But I will be going to Rome on Tuesday for. Ooh. Champions League, isn't oh, it? Oh, right. Because yeah. it's coming back. That'll probably have a bearing on some of these fixtures coming up. You That's know, what, so very true. You know, PSG coming up for United. Yeah. And, Man City taking on Schalke. Mm-hmm. Spurs are up against Dortmund. 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 And Liverpool Bayern. Huge. Huge games, which we'll be previewing on Monday when we'll be joined by Michael Cox, Ian Irving, and Matt Davis Adams. I imagine there might be a bit of Rafa on the phone, though. What with the Dortmund and Bayern business, Duncan, you got a good weekend planned? Quite a weekend, but I'm going to be solemnly preparing for Monday, which is the 15th anniversary of the first ever Premier League team to have 11 different nationalities in it. Right. Okay. It's special, <laughs> special, a, a very special moment, which I'm sure everyone is excited for. Right. Yeah, it was Portsmouth. How are you going to market? Portsmouth? I'm going to visit 11 countries in one day. <laughs> That's fantastic. Was that Benjani as well? Do you want to know the team? Yeah, Go please. On. It was Ivica Mornar, Patrick Berger, Linvoy Primus, uh, Petri Pazanam, Ayo Berkovic, Ayan Dezeo, Yakubu, Nigel Kwasi, Amdi Fay, Dejan Stefanovic and Shaka Hislop. That's amazing. All right, well, fantastic. And look forward to seeing you all again soon. Listen, have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Monday. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and don't forget to check out our other football podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.